I know I'm a ridiculous human being. Everyone says so. Never <laughs> organized. Word on the street is Amy's a fucking clown. <laughs> I don't know why that's so funny. Gin and tonic. I'm Amy Rivers, and this is Eating After Midnight, a podcast where me and my best friend, Sasha Chambers, reheat movies from our childhoods to see if the leftovers have retained their flavor or leave a bad taste in our mouths. It's also about how these movies influenced, inspired, and shaped us. Whether the ideas they cooked up fed us, nourished our bodies and minds, or just rotted our teeth and clogged our mental arteries. Sasha and I are not film scholars, but we do have a genuine love of movies as well as a beautiful friendship that spans 26 years and counting. Hi everyone and Sasha. Hi everyone out in podcast land and Amy, nice to see you, hear you thing, kind of whatever we're doing again. Yeah, we we took a break. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) An unscheduled break because our lives got bananas. Yeah. You know, sometimes you got to move, you got to try to launch a new business. You got to be a mom. You got to do things. So many things. I turned 43. Happy birthday to me. Good God. That's the thing that we missed. This is the thing that really bummed me out about the break that we took. The break that we took took place, as you know, because we know you're all waiting with bated breath for our next episodes and have probably noticed that the month of August we were gone. And the month of August is Amy's birthday month which we did not cover. We did not do her birthday movies, but be, you know, for her birthday, she wanted nope. a break. Damn, it's just life gets in the way of, of doing the things you love like this podcast. Yeah, you know, I would love it if all we had to do was this podcast. You know, if only we had a um, super thriving Patreon, we could be here for you guys oh, yeah, all drop it, drop the it. time. Yes. Have an episode a day. <laughs> find us oh on patreon God. if that's your heart's desire you know what girl i don't know if we can do the math right now but i feel like we could literally do an episode every day there are so many movies we could easily do an episode yeah. every day it would be my pleasure and joy to do an episode every day we just have to you know i think we've squeezed this lemon <laughs> lemons so good we just watched the mummy pits that's a great transition amy very proud i know i didn't even plan it that's so wonderful (laughs) (laughs) um we are doing the money pit today this was my pick we were just kind of taking a little john hughes break because you got to you can't just barrel through the john hughes stuff it's too it's too intense so for a little break i chose the money pit because if there's anything that I miss, it's Tom Hanks when he was a comedian and physical comedian. 
I miss my bosom buddy. I really do. I miss my bosom buddy. You know, he was so funny and so great and just so such a joy to watch on screen. And then motherfucking Philadelphia happened. And it was like when Eddie Murphy became Doc had kids, you know, he became Dr. Doolittle and we never got raunchy Eddie Murphy again. And that's exactly what happened to Tom Hanks. Now he's now he's America's hero, you know, and I'm sad about it. No, I love Tom Hanks right now, to be fair. Like Forrest. Oh, he's still he's a brilliant actor. And yeah, and I great. you know, I'm thrilled for him that he found the that that side of himself. I just wish he would, you know. Just once in a while. <laughs> I just wanna, you know, <laughs> I, want the, I want the seal laugh. That's yeah, what I want. Once exactly. in a while. Like in between Captain Phillips and Sully, just do one screwball comedy. Absolutely. You know? And and to be fair, I don't really need any more Tom Hanks romances. Like that was fun too. Like Sleepless in Seattle. Then right. Not you got mail, but you know, what I mean, like Sleepless in Seattle was great. <laughs> right. And and he deserves like he deserves all of his Oscars. He deserves everything that he has. But I want a bug-eyed freak out. I want, I want this, the, the Pratt Falls. I want all of it. Yeah. Yeah. The bobblehead bobblehead. Yeah. 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 We're going to be talking about all of this because this movie is a quintessential Tom Hanks film. Like he, he definitely what we're talking about, the comedy side of Tom Hanks really shines in the money pit. Before we get into all the details, I'm going to go first. I remember my mother loving this film and be- because of that, we watched it so many times. And the parts that she would laugh at, I would laugh at, almost like mimicking her. And this, just as much as like Coming to America, is one of the films in the like, this is what funny is. You know, yes. find my, my funny bone um, mm-hmm. younger. So I've watched it a zillion times, mainly because my mother would put it on all the time and just Rewatching it, I remembered just like these small fucking details. And rewatching it, I discovered a whole bunch of new ones that I was a bit too young to completely comprehend. But yeah, fantastic, funny film that really needs to be like elevated a bit. This and vibes, everyone. Go out and watch it. Yeah, for real. Absolutely. So I, yeah. I, I agree. So yeah, so I, I chose this because, yeah, this was honestly... The uh, the corner video store should have just given me their copy. They should have just given it to me. They should be like, kid, you know, just fucking keep it. Because I would, I was, I think several times, several fucking times in a month would I rent this movie and howl every single time. I never didn't lose my shit at this movie. And rewatching it, I was so happy to rediscover the scenes that I knew were going to make me laugh and all the ones that I had somehow managed to forget that I was like, no, this is all, this is all so good and so right. And I discovered so many weird little things with it this time around that I hadn't ever noticed. I I don't want to like ruin the jokes before we get there, but I have to say that all I want to do is start a band called Meryl Streep. That's all I want to do with my life. Okay, so we're going to go right into that immediately. So Meryl Streep is my is the funniest joke for me in the entire film. No, entire the entire film. film, Meryl Streep. And the thing for me too is like, it's always been the funniest joke in the film. 
And I shouldn't have understood that at eight years old. At eight years old, for the, the re- that, that Meryl Streep is, the, it, the, why did I get that? I don't know, but I did. And I've always loved that moment. And for the first time ever in, I don't know how many millions of watches, did I notice that Meryl Streep is an overdub? Oh. They said a different band name. And if you watch the scene carefully, it's clearly all pieced together in post. We want to call the band, Meryl Streep is just dubbed in over it. And then it goes to Tom Hanks saying, you will most definitely not change the name to Meryl Streep dubbed over it. And all of the the conversation, he's like, I think she'll be really flattered. All done in in post-production, all of it. So I went down a fucking rabbit hole last night of trying to find out what was the original line? What was the name that cheap girls actually wanted to change their name to, but they couldn't get the rights or their permission to say, couldn't find it, found lots of um, nerdy Reddit threads with people like me who also were like, holy fuck, who knows what the real line was? And I actually found some fucking asshole. If you are listening to this podcast, dude, you're a dick and you need to update your fucking entry. This guy comes in and he's like, you know, I actually worked on the film and I could probably answer that question if I could find the script somewhere in my attic. And I'm like, you, why'd you show up at all to the thread, motherfucker? You should have just gone to the attic and found it. Why did you say that? Because now, now we all want to decipher your fucking avatar and your screen name and find where you live and get in your attic because we're never going to find it. You're the closest thing we've got to the yeah, truth. Yeah, get to work, motherfucker. Yeah, don't post that shit. <laughs> Don't, don't Dick. dangle a carrot in front of the horse's mouth. Yeah. Jbelly672. <laughs> Get on your shit. So here we are. We're doing Money Pit, 1986, directed by Richard Benjamin, uh, also known for my stepmother as an alien, which, you know, we don't need to talk about for too long. Uh, Mermaids, uh, Mrs. Winterborn, which I've never seen. Um, and it was written by David Geiler. Giller or Geiler? Giller, Geiler, dude, if you're listening. The fuck was the original name of Cheap Girls? Will you please fucking get in touch? Let's look him up. All right. Gonna make me fucking bonkers bananas. So anyhow, I guess we're we're doing this film today for everyone who's ever been deeply in love or deeply in debt. I love it. It's actually a really good tagline. We're gonna not read the IMDB thing because I didn't write it down here. It stars Tom Hanks and Shelley Long as the couple who buy a uh, dilapidated estate. Alexander Goodenough, Maureen Stapleton, Joe Montagna, and Philip Bosco round out the cast. Shall we get into the soup? Let's get into the soup. Hand me Let's a do spoon, it. please. Here's your spoon. Amy. Okay. I have to say this. The movie starts with that 80s music. Oh. You know it's the 80s. It can't be any other time period. And I love how much you love this song. And I also love that when I, I finally found my notes and um, my uh, first note is, damn, this track is a banger. It's catchy as fuck. If you're not moving your shoulders right now, there's something wrong. It's so good. It's so quintessentially 80s. The heart is so willing to follow. Oh, which is the name of the song, everyone. It's The Heart is So Willing by Stephen Bishop. 
And it is just catchy. Like I said, catchy as fuck. Like the second it goes on, mm-hmm. I was like, damn, I didn't remember mm-hmm. this song being so good, except for the fact that I remembered the song immediately. It was one yep. of those things where yep. I thought of this song in forever. And the second it played, I was like, hell yeah, hook it, hook it. Well, that's because in your in your like child spirit and the the, the deep recess of re, excuse me and in the deep recesses of your mind, you know the money pit's about to start. So you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like getting on Pirates of the Caribbean. You're like, yo ho, yo ho. Those cricket sounds. You're like, oh, fuck yeah, I'm about to go. You know on. what? The Pirates of the Caribbean ride. The thing that gets me every time. The smell. The smell. <laughs> Yeah, I can smell. It's so bad. If they no, it does. It's not bad. It's like water, and it it's a weird smell that is so distinct. Literally, if there was a candle that had that smell, I would buy it in a second. Shut up. Back to my childhood. Ew, (laughs) no, no. You know what that? You know my. I can't because I had a uh, I had a Honda, an old Honda that every time I turned the AC on, it smelled like the Pirates of the Caribbean, and I was not into it. Oh, I'm so into it. Uh-uh, no, I was like, this smells like a 90 degree hot ass day and mildewed flip flops and <laughs> fucking cotton candy all at once. I and I can't. Well, I have to say, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's one of those, you know, it's like those people who like, like, I mean, like, I love the smell of stinky cheese. Maybe it's that, you know, it's one of those things. Anyway, tangent. <laughs> with uh walter senior who is is tom hanks's father who gets married to a very beautiful woman a child bride child bride in florinda in rio de janeiro and basically the setup here is that walter senior has left town after he has like embezzled money or something or stolen a bunch of money. He's, yeah, he's stolen all of the client's monies and awayed to Rio de Janeiro. But somehow Walter is still in, still receiving postcards and updates from him and in charge of the family business, like as if they wouldn't have been like all gone to jail. Exactly. I'm not really sure how that works. Yeah. And this is the setup that Tom Hanks's character, which is Walter, is already in debt. He's already got money problems because of this scenario. And he's in bed with Anna um, during this setup. And I love how it's just their hands going through. Yes. Yes. I love the amount of overdubbing that is happening in this. There's so much of it. It's amazing. But then, so we've talked about Tom Hanks at length, and now we're going to have to talk about Shelley Long, which... Walter. 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 God, I don't like Shelley Long. Like, she just isn't up to par with the rest of the movie. She's just not. She's just funny. Yeah. She has no charisma. Her chemistry with tom hanks her chemistry with everyone is just <laughs> lackluster and we're gonna talk about it later I, fuck it we're gonna talk about it now like they refer to her as like the greatest woman on earth like she's this beautiful amazing dazzling goddess but she's like drab as fuck and then she's got that voice which is what i don't like about her the most this just Walter. Well, yeah, as as, as when you were like, what is that sound? I was like, oh, she sounds like she could be one of the boring frogs 
in Muppet Steak Manhattan. It's exactly what her voice sounds like throughout the entire thing. Walter. Oh my um, god. The, the IMDb bullshit trivia mentioned that like Kathleen Turner was possibly supposed to be in this role. And mind you, she's not that funny as well, but she at least had that allure that would make sense when Alexander Goodenough is talking. You just about couldn't her. possibly imagine Kathleen Turner with Tom Hanks, though she would eat him alive. Exactly. That just wouldn't Probably. know. She at least, you know, had that thing about her where you could understand why everyone was fucking in love with her. Shelley Long does not bring that to the table. And then she just doesn't have the comedic chops and then that fucking voice. Maybe one of the reasons this movie did not go to the elevated place in the history of film comedy is because her ass brings it down. It really does. She, she literally has no funny moment Except I, there's one thing I like when she does it, like when she gets angry after, um, you know, after they've been in the house for a while and he, in the, she's like, go bring the water. And they're kind of getting each other's face a little bit, like they're getting on each other's nerves. And then she like becomes like a, a dog. She's like, water, 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 water. <laughs> like she does this like thing <laughs> like when she gets angry, <laughs> you know what I mean? And that's hilarious, but I don't think she's doing it on purpose. Question for you, Amy. How do you feel about Shirley Long? Yo, girl, you've gone off on people you don't like. <laughs> no, I'm like, you are talking, you are talking about Shelley Long like I talked about Amanda in some kind of wonderful. You know why? Because she's not funny. And in this movie, everyone is so on point. Like we've talked about Tom Hanks, uh-huh. Alexander Goodenough is so fucking amazing in this movie. Amy, gin and tonic really works for you. You just fucking killed Alexander Goodenough's name. You just whipped that out. Like it just rolled right off your tongue. It's amazing. (laughs) But like, thank you very much. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Maureen Stapleton's amazing in it. Joe Montagna, who comes in as one of the Shirk brothers, who's like, you know, a total piece of shit. Captain McCreepo. Like, there's everyone's on point is what i'm saying and then yeah yeah so that's where i'm at that's that is a fair thing to say so back to the plot points walter and anna are in bed walter asks her quickly if she wants to get married but she has gotten married once and it didn't work out she was married to this guy named Max. Who yeah, um, who look, looks like Vigo the Destroyer, but is not Vigo the Destroyer. <laughs> no, he's not. He plays the maestro of the orchestra where she is a violinist. So they're shacked up in his apartment in New York City. And then Yakov Shmirnov shows up <laughs> to tell them that Max has come back and he is but he's in, you're out. Okay, like, and then and and like you know, it's amazing because it's Yakov Shmirnov playing straight man, which is really really fucking great and i i love the character of max he is fucking the best narcissistic up his own ass face of an angel that i think graced most of the 80s films that had a character of that nature just from the moment he enters the uh the 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 space and starts to walk down the aisle to the orchestra and the way he's loosening his tie and he just has so much physical control as he's doing two things at once he's barely looking at anyone loosening his tie basically gliding 
up the stairs to come to the podium or is that what they call it the podium the the lectern what what whatever they call it where the maestro stands the podium sure um he's mesmerizing to watch he's just beautiful he's he is like a, a specimen of gorgeousness and not in a sexual way but not not in a sexual way to be fair like it's just in the way that a, that a ballet dancer is a walking work of art. That's exactly what he looks like. And then he opens his mouth and he's such a prick and it's amazing. And I, when they play and he says to them, you know, basically labor laws require that I allow you to go to lunch. And those of you with a conscience will not be able to eat for the way that you played. But those of you without the conscience, you will go and stuff yourselves, I hope you choke. That is just for some reason, the way he says that, and I hope you choke. That lives in my brain always. The comedic turns he has as this egomaniac maestro is just like, it's just on point. And mind you, so his other roles that I can think of off the top of my head were all very serious. He, he was in Witness mm-hmm. with Harrison Ford. And then of course he was in Die Hard. Um, and I'm sure he was in others, but I don't, you know, he wasn't known as a comedic actor. I mean, this is just him coming, coming in and, and just being one of those people who just smashes whatever challenges front of him okay I will be a comedian now and he's just amazing um he is really the delight of this film but him coming back creates the problem of the film where Walter and Anna need to now find an apartment in New York City but he's like no 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 don't worry about it no we're gonna find a place it's gonna be fine it's gonna be great the door closes we are so screwed it's classic it's classic Hank's classic timing all of it it's fucking perfect and the theme of the film, it comes up here too. He freaks out and then they kind of realize that they're going to be okay. And, and she says, as long as we're together, nothing bad can happen. So like the theme of this movie is how much can a relationship with Stan? Whew, heavy shit. I might need another gin and tonic before we fucking start unpacking that one. Well, I mean, how much can a relationship withstand within an 80 minute time frame and a punchline that needs to be delivered? Do you know what I mean? Like there's so much that they're expected to take on in this short period of time, which actually I, I, I think for the first time too, even though they, they do it with those like title cards, they tell you four months later, all of this. I think it was, this was the first time in my adult watch of it that I was able to be like, whoa, man, they have been living in this fucking hellscape of a house for four months like this. They're only fighting about the water in the bucket. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. I mean- Yeah, no shit. Yeah, no shit you went to someone else's house to sleep. Yeah, no shit. I mean, like they're doing really as good as they can. So when we were growing up, it was like, if you can handle a whole day at Disneyland together, then you've got a chance, right? That was like Mm -hmm. one of the first tests you had. But now as- we get older, there are like new tests, like having a baby, buying a house together, and can you withstand the the stress? And then of course, the big one that has happened to a lot of us is the fucking pandemic. It it, um, ripped a lot of people's relationships apart because it was like, can you withstand all this stress? 
Well, I mean, it ultimately, where, where the, at least where the pandemic is concerned, and for anyone listening to this uh, who is still in their relationship post-pandemic um, and happy about it, um, and it's going well, bully for you. Congratulations for you, because, you know, (laughs) yeah, didn't happen for a lot of us, because ultimately the realization I had to come to was, you know, the whole point of getting into a relationship is to find that person that you could face the apocalypse with. Exactly. And I mean, that's really what that highlighted for a lot of us was like, you're, you're not my apocalypse partner. You're not the person that's going to take on the end of the world in the way that I do or can relate to or can gel with. So, but I mean, I mean, in, in fairness, like other than the, the, the stress of the house itself, their relationship is pretty rock solid. They don't have a lot of turmoil between them, except for the fact that Anna is unfortunately from the get-go somewhat dependent on her ex-husband as soon as she needs money i'm going to max as soon as they need more money i'm going to try to sell something to max like she really does have an unfortunate attachment to her ex-husband uh that couldn't really work for any relationship i don't think and that's ultimately the thing that tests them as we come to find out later on we're like really scraping the bottom of the bowl of the soup now we haven't even really sat at the table and okay, our napkin okay, okay. In, in, in our shirts. So, you know, so they, so, so, so ultimately, okay, so here's the deal. Max comes back, right? Yakov, he's in, you're out. So they have to find a new place, right? So rather than try to find an apartment, they think maybe we should just buy a home. And the way this takes place, he, or for some reason, already has a real estate agent. I don't know if this is because of his, you know, dealings with his clients and such, but he has a real estate agent uh, who is of of questionable soundness of mind, uh, who gets them involved in this ginormous property out in the fucking sticks, right? It's clearly a $3 million home. Being Uh, sold for $200,000, right? Red flag, red flag, red flag. Right, so his initial response was like, there must be something wrong with it. Why wouldn't you? follow that why wouldn't you follow that gut instinct right so like they show up to the property and it's basically fucking tara the thing is giant motherfucking enormous they get to the door and estelle opens up practically three sheets to the winter maybe about as drunk as amy is now <laughs> sucking down a gin and tonic wrapped in a beautiful marabou boa and she doesn't turn the lights on because she's trying to save money for the blood sucking lawyers. Oh, there's a tricky step here. I keep meaning to fix it. And, you know, if our dear friend Melanie, who was meant to guest with us on the uh, episode today, but we just got, you know, time got away from us and we just had to go ahead and record. If she was on, I would ask, is there any scenario in the world where you could purchase a house without doing a proper inspection? Because How? How would you just be like, yeah, by tomorrow, I'm going to come up with 200 grand and buy this fucking house off of you. Uh, no, no, no. It's, it's, I saw in the dark, in the motherfucking dark, right? Like, exactly. It would never happen. But her con is so smooth. When he asks if she, if he can use the bathroom and she's like, would you mind using the one downstairs? All my personal effects are still in this one. Like it, she is she's so a smooth. smooth criminal. A smooth criminal. And my number one note is, good God, will someone, can I have that moo moo? Her whole (laughs) outfit. 
this is, that's the look I really want to lean into. I really do. So the conceit of course, is that they have to make a decision now. And because extradition is on Friday because it turns out Carlos was Hitler's pool man. There's like a great payoff at the end with Carlos showing up acting like a ex SS soldier. Who's speaking Spanish in a Portuguese speaking nation, which is pretty (laughs) fucking hilarious. So they then decide to purchase it, but Walter needs money. He goes to one of his clients. Benny. Is a, who's Benny, who is a 12 year old pop star. Living in an eighties Coke era mansion. (laughs) 80s era Coke dealer mansion. White, white on white on white. His mom is in a maid uniform. He's got armed guards and he's cruising around in a bathrobe like Hugh Hefner smoking. (laughs) I, I should have written down the name of the young actor because he was in a lot of films, wasn't he? In the eighties, he was like yeah. a child actor that you saw. He was on a lot of like after school specials and shit like that. My one issue with it though, is that it's an introduction of some misogynistic kind of thinking real quick on a child. And I get what they're going for, but again, it's just that eighties era grossness. That's like, and then we're, and we're putting it on a kid. <laughs> and we're putting that gross man grossness yeah. on a child I mean, uh, character, which is pretty, which is pretty gnarly. Yeah, I know. I know what it is. But at the same time, it's like, oh, God, we're, we're starting early with that, huh? <laughs> and, and just and the way but then to have the scene basically go the way it does, where he asks Benny for money. And of course, he's like, no, I'm not doing that because I'm a shitty little kid and I have tons of money and I can say whatever I want. And for it's it's again, I feel like. Like this scene could have been stolen from Big. I don't remember if Big came, Big came after the money pit, but, or did Big borrow the concept of this scene and then run with it? I don't know, but for him to be like, I'm gonna extort this money out of this kid by basically being like, I'm not gonna like you anymore. You're not, you're not my, I'm not, I'm not your friend anymore. I'm not gonna be your friend anymore. And then he gets the money. It's kind of sweet, isn't it? There's a wholesome moment to end. It makes, it makes up for the smoking and the denigrating of women, kind of. For me in that in that scene. It you know, it does it does what it's supposed to do. And then um after he gets the money from Benny, this is when the slapstick starts. And I have to say, like, I rewatched it today, and I thought it was fantastic last night, but today I was like, this is like Buster Keaton level slapstick. It's really genius mouse trap fucking wonderful funniness so the first day of the house they're very positive and hopped up they're gonna fix the the broken step on the stairs and they're gonna you know paint some walls it's gonna be great and then immediately the doorbell explodes the door falls off the hinges Anna sinks into the bed that they were given the ceiling comes down on her head the fucking brown water coming out of the faucet and then like it escalates to the point where Anna is attacked by a raccoon and the stairs fucking completely come down (laughs) there's so much stuff though that I noticed uh for the first time in this in this rewatch that's like kind of nonsensical and kind of poorly executed and I still love it though so for example he goes to fix a step by ripping up a giant chunk of some other wooden object and just nailing it 
into the st- like I'm not I'm the the logic there for me just as a person who can fix things there's no, there's nothing there that works but again he's an attorney so I don't expect him to necessarily be you know Mr. Fix It but this is this is Mr. Don't Fix It Mr. Call a call a guy call a guy you haven't yet spent all of your money you should you should just call a guy um so he doesn't call a guy at this point they think that it's just a few little things you know just to this just to that you know (laughs) just a little Um, love just a little you know just a little bit of work a little imagination it's gonna be great a little tlc and elbow grease and we'll we'll get through but but here's so so here's the thing so when he's banging on the steps somehow this is reverberating through the ceiling on the next floor to make the tiles come down that doesn't make any fucking sense right that like little things like this that i noticed throughout the entire film i was like that there's no there is no possibility we're banging on a step that isn't attached to like no it doesn't work it doesn't make any sense then when he goes for the indiana jones leap and he's holding on to the edge of the steps and she comes running up when she's running up she clearly stops like two feet short of the edge of the fucking ledge but then all of a sudden she's standing on his fingertips <laughs> you also can see a cat like a a a, a, a crew person push the fucking raccoon out <laughs> of the dumb waiter. <laughs> like there's like a whole bunch of things that happen throughout this where you're just like they just didn't give a fuck about any kind of continuity later on when that thing happens where they're filling the bathtub with water and it collapses through the floor they are actively pouring water into the tub and then when you see the tub come through the floor there's no water following it there's no water leaping out of the tub and there's actually no ceiling or floor under the tub it just drops from the heavens from nowhere and just explodes on the floor below there's just no fuck continuity this is the money pit we don't give a fuck we're just doing shit we're just doing shit i will say in this first scene is another example of written by a man like and which is the one thing that i'll give you with shelly long like she wasn't given much to work with like her character is whiny right so there's a moment here where she's just like uh, 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 like and my i've never been good at that kind of thing walter what kind of thing work which is really obnoxious because as you and i discussed sasha she's a fucking like first chair violinist of the Philharmonic in New York New City. York City, like, right, yeah. She knows what hard work is. Now, maybe it's not like hammering and things like that, but she gets work. She just doesn't like this. And mind you, why is she being whiny? If I saw that fucking... All right, this is after the water. water disgusting. Yeah, <laughs> that's not being whiny. That's like, yo we just moved into this house and there is brown water that shit that was not water that shit was so, so here you know and you're right you're so right about how she just doesn't really come to the table comedically because that scene is the is actually the way she responds to that and the raccoon is like really the best comedy that she delivers in the entire movie and it's even still just not that great like her running around with the raccoon and the waving of the hands is funny but it could have been bigger it could have been better it just doesn't touch his physical comedy and she has like a moment where she closes the bathroom door after seeing this stuff that i swear to god looks exactly like this 
liquid antibiotic that I was given for a sinus infection when I was like seven that traumatized the fuck out of me because you know they used to flavor kids medicine like if you got like a pink antibiotic it would be bubblegum flavor but it was fucking revolting okay this stuff that I got I thought it was like strep throat or a sinus infection or some shit it was brown just like that shit and they flavored it to be caramel God, dude, I, I'm like seriously like, oh, 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 can't. No, it was the most traumatic. I can still see it in the fridge. I can still feel the dread of knowing that I had to take it and like looking at the bottle every time and being like, I have to take this for 14 days. It's been eight days. There's six more days of two doses a day. I just want, uh, could I just die instead? Like it was the most disgusting stuff. So when that stuff comes out of the tub. It's all I can think of. And I get so nauseated by it. So when she closes the door and like slides down the wall, like there's a monster in the bathroom, it's good. But then when she says, um, you know, oh, I wasn't expecting that water. It had legs. Like she just drops the ball on the line. Like, so she just can't, she just doesn't do it. She just does not do the job. Half of it, I think, is is the screenwriter not writing women very well because she could have just gotten angry, but she doesn't. She she does it. She does it. <laughs> she uh, she just whines, and and it happens a couple. Yeah, of- like she acts like she's legitimately scared, as though it had legs and could get out of the tub. And it's like, no, you need to like for me. If I was if I was Richard Benjamin, um, I would maybe be like, could we get like just a little bit more angry disgust? Yeah. Not actual fear, but and despondence, but angry disgust at the idea that like what you hoped would be water was not, and you paid two hundred thousand dollars for the motherfucking privilege. You you're, know? You're, like, you're only you're only two like two hundred thousand pounds dollars. Yeah, but forget it, forget it. I'm not I'm not adding to this. We've got plenty on on the fact that Shelley Long sucks in this moment. Anyway. <laughs> what happens next so upon realizing that you know they've bought a lemon they now know that they need to start reaching out to any and all contractors who would be willing to come out to the now that's this is the funny thing like because as you're saying that it's it's not uncommon for people from the city to move an hour outside to to do that commute why is it so hard to get contractors to come to the house like that doesn't especially on a house of that size like that would be a money job so it seems really weird that no one would be willing to come and that they have to go through all of these hoops to you know I mean I understand it's the conceit that like they have to deal with the Shirk brothers and that they get fleeced (laughs) by a carpenter who uses an expression like good looking wool which I've never heard in my life. It's such a <laughs> fucking weird way to, to, to describe a person. Um, but I that Joe Montagna, he really comes in hot with that. And I love his character. I love that he's this like hot shot carpenter driving a fucking Corvette uh, that, you know, is just so, so in demand that he can act like such a fucking idiot. But this scene where he basically, yes, assaults I almost called her Diane Chambers, where he assaults Anna um, in their hallway is real fucking weird. It's real fucking weird. Also, why is she always wearing pajamas? Why is she always wearing tiny little culotte pajamas? Because she's dowdy as fuck. Anyway, I have to admit, like I didn't 
Like I want to be like, that's not right. But the joke is, is that like, because getting a contractor is so hard, we can overlook something like sexual harassment. Now that I say it in my mouth. Exactly, Amy, exactly, (laughs) exactly. Welcome to the movement. Like, that's the thing is that like, it's no, it's not okay. It's absolutely not okay. And and what's, what's really not okay is that she's directed to go from so offended and so like really uncomfortable to it's nothing. It's so funny. And it just propagates the notion that that was okay. You're totally right. You're totally right. I mean, like I get the joke, but on the flip side, I understand that this does add some pretty nasty stuff in our culture. Hey though, hey though, hey, is this the first 80s movie that we've watched that doesn't drop an F-bomb? Yeah, there's no, there's no F-bombs in this. There's no F-bombs. So, so, okay. So we just met Art Shirk or is Art Shirk the plumber? Oh, who cares? I don't remember. (laughs) So we met Shirk Shirk brother number one. Then Shirk brother number two comes by, um, who is, you know, a day drinking guy who just wants a quick check for five grand and says, you know, we'll show up. And then that's when they do. That whole crew of of crazies shows up with third Shirk brother, who is the overseer, basically, of all of the work, who assures them it will be done in two weeks time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and that guy is is uh, that's Philip Bosco, who's yeah. been tons tons of movies. Great character actor. Um, we do get a really great insult though. So they start the work, they go away for the day, right? And when they come back, they find out that the uh, that the permit guy had been there and left because Anna wasn't there to meet him because she had to work, yada yada, whatever. But this guy comes back later for one of my favorite scenes and says which we'll get into but he says one of the funniest insults that's on par with raccoon turd (laughs) and that is he calls tom hanks a duck fart (laughs) which i'm keeping (laughs) you duck fart oh my god and all i can see is a cute little duck butt (laughs) under the water and the little feathers parting and like a fucking bubble shooting up to the top and i'm like duck fart that's Oh my God, I just had to take off my glasses and Fucking I dropped them. Duck fart. That would be a great tattoo. You know, I've got an appointment in December. <laughs> <laughs> and duck is one of the only words that my son can say. So Does he say duck? He can say duck, yeah. Yeah, he says duck. Like when he sees a duck, he says duck? Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. And he quacks, but it's like quack, quack like that he does that's adorable i didn't know he could say duck "Ah, ah." but he started doing a sheep you know the way that you would and i would do it It would be like bah right bah and he just goes "Ah." (laughs) (laughs) "Ah." (laughs) right which is right a fucking screaming sheep sound yeah Yeah, (laughs) it's really 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 cute because of course he does all the animals together so you know he he says meow god i hope this stays in the podcast he says meow but it's really sweet he's like meow like like a general meow he says that instead of it, he goes meow and then you'll go to the sheep and he'll be like ah! <laughs> it's super cute it's super cute people 
you know back to the film so so anna misses the permit man he comes home and has this amazing a really great slapstick thing where he comes home and has to dive bomb to find the phone in the rubble that is now their house most of their house is not their house now it's in piles in front of their house um and he's like what the living fuck dive bombs to get the phone figures out that the permit man was not there shit calls tries to get him to come back and while he's inside trying to uh, you know plan for the permit man coming back he walks over a rug in the den that then sucks him into the floor trapping his arms to his chest where he remains we we assume potentially forever if anna doesn't come (laughs) home this is how this could this is now how tom hanks might die I remember my mother thinking that this was the funniest shit that had ever happened in time. And it is. It's so fucking funny with Tom Hanks just slowly losing his mind. Yes. Um, Tom Hanks gives slow crazy. He, He gives such good slow crazy. It's 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 amazing. So as he's in there and help. Help. And his arms are stuck and he can barely move. And then he starts making little paper airplanes with the cash that he has on him and then he starts to self-soothe by singing the name song and like he's just so in it he's so in the floor he is so committed to this idea that that is where he is and what he is living that you can't you can't not laugh at his misery you can't not laugh at his misery until you get almost as irritated as he does when dumbass anna comes home and can't fucking find him like this is really irritating like he's like i'm right here i'm right it's like i know you can hear his voice in the room watch just walk in i'm in the room behind the chair in the floor and then she thinks it's funny which in a way i could see how you would think it was cute but at the same time, no, if your person I, is dangling through the fucking floor. Tra- like, I don't know. I don't know if I would if I would have a moment where I would like giggle at that. I think that immediately you might laugh because it's funny. But as soon as the idea dropped in your brain that they could fall through the floor right. and end up, you know, with a fractured neck and die like I think it would drop pretty quick but mind you he has fallen numerous times through this film you know he obviously bounces so maybe she's just like (laughs) maybe she just knows him so well that she's like right he gotta bounce I'm gonna laugh at this moment which of course when she tries to help him he does fall all the way through and and bounces he's fine there's no which also if if they hadn't been so insistent on forcing two delivery guys to drag a mattress up a fucking ladder into a bedroom that clearly leaks and had just elected to sleep downstairs like any sane fucking person would have done once the stairs disappeared in their home um there would have been something soft for him to land on i'm just saying and also because they don't put it on the bed they put it on the floor so it really doesn't make sense it doesn't make any sense it makes it makes as little sense 
as starting a motherfucking turkey at 3 p.m. in the afternoon for dinner at 7 and plopping a what appears to be a 75-pound bird into an unpreheated oven. I'm like, taste the tomain, people. <laughs> so yeah, Anna starts dinner for just her and <laughs> Tom Hanks. That's it. There's a full-ass baked macaroni and cheese in there besides the 75-pound bird. Not only is it a 75-pound bird, but it's all the fixins. Like, there's a lot of food that she makes for them. Of course, they don't eat any of it because there's a, a disaster in the kitchen that destroys the whole kitchen. Which is And they don't scary. have running water. How are you cooking in a home that has no running water? None of that is possible but my biggest thing is that's a lot of food for two people slender as they are you don't make thanksgiving dinner on a thursday in a house that doesn't have running water no you don't a fucking turkey that size shoved into an unpreheated oven like they maybe would have been able to eat next week back to where we were they're filling the bathtub. Fucking Thanksgiving dinner is is being cooked downstairs in the kitchen. The kitchen blows up um, on Tom Hanks while he's getting some hot water. He brings the hot water upstairs with his face full of soot. He pours it in. It crashes through um, the not ceiling and floor, as you mentioned earlier. And then we get the Tom Hanks laugh. He just <laughs> loses his fucking mind. He has the best crazy laugh. Even Steve Martin. I don't think he has it. I think I think he has a better I'm losing my shit laugh than Steve Martin. Oh, that, that, that is saying a lot. And it is, but I think it's true. true. Because he sounds like a fucking seal at one point. It's like 37 seconds, right? It like continues to go on. And if anything, Shelley Long kept a straight face through the whole thing. Like if anything, if we wouldn't give her any props, true like enough. you not, she, does, she doesn't react or respond to this insane 37 second breakdown laugh that he does. And I read something in the in the trivia that like on the universal lot they use that laugh as the like laugh track really uh, when like the tour guide is is telling jokes and they're not funny like they play tom hanks's laugh from money pit i mean if that's true that's reason enough to go on the tram um at universal studios but i'm not sure if that's actually true or if that's just some bullshit if someone knows email us or send us a message on instagram at Eating After Midnight podcast. But yeah, so this laugh that he does, again, fucking Tom Hanks, like just one, we just want one comedy movie, one pure comedic film from you that you're not going to get an Oscar for. You know, you're not. It's not going to happen. But me and Sasha are going to go and we're going to love it and lots of people are going to love it. We miss you. Yeah. Come back to us. You'll laugh, Tom Hanks. We really, really (laughs) miss you. There's another moment here that you you have listed on our show notes that really makes no sense to me. If you've been living months in this house that has just been like gutted to shit and you are surrounded by work people all of the fucking time, if the sun is up, they're there too. You want to get frisky in the bedroom, draw the fucking curtains. Why would you ever, ever entertain the possibility that you could be giving a show to the workmen? 
or work people because there's actually a lot of ladies on this crew i don't know if you notice that there's several ladies on the crew it's a very progressive crew one of the moments before we didn't mention is one of the women actually greases the chest of of one of the uh contractors um with lots of muscles uh she's greasing him before he starts work which is important i've got lots to say about this moment okay so absolutely you're right like what the fuck are you thinking like i live on the second floor of um a house in a sleepy little town in abergavenny wales i close my windows when i get frisky okay i close the blinds no one would see me if i had them open i would i close them always right right just in case somebody on a far off fucking hill happens to be bird watching you know what i mean happens to be out there doing their thing right exactly now the second thing is that again they have no chemistry or chemistry that's the next thing they are so awkward with each other in that bed it's so they're just oh on top of her and they're like oh and then she like at one point is scratching his back and did you notice that it is so weirdo it's just so weirdo like like, it's awful it's awful they're pawing at each other they're clawing at each other their kissing looks so fake and forced it almost looked like as two actors they didn't like each other because there's so little there's so little passion or interest in that makeout scene it's it's really awkward it's really uncomfortable to watch but then we get this this buster keaton sequence uh right there after that is just is it right there is it then it is so so well before that that happens is when now four months has passed supposedly and now the stress has strained their relationship so this is the moment where of course i mentioned shelly long does her like Walter, like that moment which i fucking can't stand because they get in a fight and that's how she stops him from speaking as she mm-hmm. basically becomes like a, a chihuahua walrus chihuahua walrus walrus to walrus that's what she becomes a chihuahua okay. so the, then- here's here's how the sequence plays out okay so they're up there trying to get ready and she asks him to go and get water and he's i think trying to talk about how things are things are looking up they're going to be great and will we, we'll you go get the water the bucket's in the hall and he's like i've been doing this for four months now i know where the bucket the bucket's in the hall yeah. the bucket's in the hall and he's getting really pissed off he leaves the room um, with the bucket to go and get the water at which point he discovers that there's stairs he runs back to tell her that there's stairs and he's like there's stairs it's great and she's like that's great i could use water so he's like okay and this is after he's asked curly curly is the other shirk brother if he could send up some water and he's like well we're kind of busy trying to trying to build a house okay i'll get it myself so he goes out and this is when he he, he comes back out there to go down his new steps so he could go and get the water at which point one of the workers pulls him aside to ask him for some legal advice for his brother or his father who was hit in the head by a golf ball while he's doing that she has decided that she wants to make some coffee and she is doing this while wearing the one outfit aside from that red dress where i'm like finally we have some fashion happening in this movie that doesn't involve a pair of nude fucking character shoes that she's wearing throughout the entire goddamn thing it was so awful anyway so she's in this fabulous green and white striped dress with these green 
uh, little earrings, cir circular earrings, matching shoes. It's a halter. It's it's divine. She wants to make some coffee, so she she somehow is she already downstairs because the kitchen is downstairs. This is another continuity thing that makes no fucking sense. Makes, she yeah. was upstairs in the bathroom. Now suddenly she's downstairs and wants to make some coffee. So somehow she would have had to have passed him right next to the stairs to get where she got to want to plug in the coffee pot. Now, any sensible person, whether they manage to get someone's attention or not, to ask them if it's okay to unplug a thing when there's that much going on, I think wouldn't just get so fed up that they would unplug a thing. So she unplugs the thing. I think you underestimate the stupidity of people. <laughs> <laughs> myself I think my ass would be like so and it's like and it's seriously it's one of those ginormous 220 volt round plugs right you know it's attached to something that means fucking business and she's just like fuck it and unplugs this thing and when she does a saw stops working Walter still talking to this worker saw stops working you see the worker try to flip the switch can't figure out what's going on she plugs in the coffee pot fucks with some other stuff and then um, he turns around to go and walk where he thought there should have been a walkway, right? But it is now has been moved, right? He wasn't going to go down the stairs. He was going to go down across this like, tr like a, a makeshift walkway that they had set up. And while he's talking to this worker they have now moved this thing so he turns around there's nothing for him to step on he lands on something that then launches this saw up and over upside down and lands on something else at which point in her and her infinite wisdom just goes ahead and plugs that thing in again it starts the saw up it saws through something else which then drops a wheelbarrow full of bricks down he sees this it lands it launches him through the air through a window he lands face down in a bucket full of fucking plaster uncut. It always bothers me when someone <laughs> goes through glass in a window and is not cut. Not because I love blood, but because I love continuity. Now he stands up out of this plaster bucket, drenched in, in plaster, plaster and plaster rags, looking like some like something out of like a like a, a creep from scooby-doo right he's a he's a ghost character now from scooby-doo waving his arms somehow unable to move this thing from his eyes he's just wandering around doesn't know what he's doing and then of course comes the whole you know uh, device of him falling and then taking out the trellis and then everybody running away from the building and then him ending up in a wheelbarrow and then running down which Jen run runs down the hill flips over lands him in the fountain mannequin piss is the name of that sculpture <laughs> was actually called uh for mannequin piss to be peeing on his head it's brilliant it's it's buster keaton level shit i can't it? believe i actually remembered the entire sequence <laughs> i like it when you retell it i think that's the pinnacle of the slapstick in this film i mean and the thing is is like thank god other than plugging something in and plugging it back in shelly long has nothing to do with it Ah, true. You know, like, thank, like, seriously, like, that's what makes it work is that she really has absolutely nothing to do with it is just let Tom Hanks go do what yeah. he does best. The fucking reactions of the crew are better than what she could bring to the table. Like the reactions of day players that are just showing up fucking extra. That hillbilly, that hillbilly guy who's just like, <laughs> and just stops doing his little air bongos to stare at the Scooby-Doo. Tom Hanks is 
fucking hilarious. Okay, so now Anna, Anna Hannah has her moment in the film. So Anna, she's over it. And she goes to rehearsal and she's like smokes now. She starts smoking again and she ends up having dinner with Max. She drinks so much that she blacks out and she doesn't remember whether or not she has slept with him or not. Max tells her, yes, we slept together and it was amazing. And she has a, a, you know, freak out like, oh my God, what did I do? You don't remember the piano? You don't remember under the piano? God, the police came. Like he really really lays it on thick yeah really does. really lays it he on does. thick but mind you like now we've got this character this you know whoever wrote this is like this female character who like blacks out drinking so much that she can't mm-hmm. remember whether or not she went to bed with her ex-husband who she went to dinner with while her boyfriend's out of town you know what i mean and like- then we have a male character who essentially mentally rapes her by telling her that he had sex with her while she was so incapacitated that she can't even remember it but that's okay because it's 1986 exactly so then you know she comes home and and walter actually comes home and we have to mention this like walter comes home in this pizza car the guy driving is wearing like a chef boyardee hat and it's playing this fucking idiotic children's song and it's like illuminated yeah it's a vw bug that's covered in christmas lights on the outside yeah electric parade from yeah it's like yeah it's an electric light parade vehicle absolutely yeah and then they get in a whole conversation. Where were you last night? I called, but there was no answer. Oh, I went to the Four Seasons with Max and she lies about everyone being there. Mm-hmm. And then he asks her if she slept with him and she's, she completely denies it. Later on in bed, he asks again, she denies it. Then she feels guilty. So he, she wakes up and she tells him the truth. And then they go back to bed, he's fine with it. But then he wakes up and the first line that he says tom hanks had to say this is you whore right and then this whole thing comes out and they break up and it's real or no they don't break up at this point they just have a the massive fight i had a neighbor once who woke me up screaming at i woke up to because you're a whore and it was simultaneously terrifying and hilarious because it made me think of the money pit (laughs) should i call the police I have to stop laughing first. I'm not sure what's happening. You know, before we get into, you know, what happens next, the whole movie is so funny and so good. And for this to be the thing that rips them apart, this weird, like, did she sleep with someone, jealousy, calling people whore thing. Like, what? It's her, her, her response to it is just such bullshit. Like, so he asks her point blank if she slept with her ex and she lies because she knows that he's not going to take it. He lies and says that he'll be fine with it if she did, will he? Will she just tell him the truth? She knows in her gut that's not the case, but then is stricken with guilt and feels the need to tell him. And he responds in exactly the way that she fears, right? But for her to later say, I told him the truth and he wouldn't forgive me is why I can't tell him the truth about the fact that I didn't when she later comes to realize that she didn't sleep. It's so fucking stupid because it's like, well, bitch, look, you, you did sleep with somebody else. You knew it was going to be a problem and you lied about it. Why do you think you get to be the indignant one here? I'm not quite following the logic. What she says is 
he wouldn't forgive me and I can't forgive him for that. And it's right. like, but girl, in this story, you're the one who fucked your ex-husband. And lied about it. And, and mind you, even if you didn't fuck your ex-husband, even, you know, because later, of course, what we find out after the breakup is that Max had lied about the whole thing because right. he thought it was a way to get her back, which she literally forgives him. Oh my God. Two she seconds. pets his head like, oh, you oh, sweet you. little narcissistic <laughs> French moron. Oh. You know what I mean? Like, what? Oh, you, you shouldn't have done that. Wag my finger. Like she's, it's bullshit. And, and he fucking mentally raped her and Molotov cocktailed her life with that. And that's just like, oh, that's Max. No, All unacceptable. I've been, I've been in a few relationships in my life. And if, even if the story to my partner was, hey, honey, I went out with my ex and I drank so much that I blacked out. And I don't remember whether or not I slept with him. Like that would be enough to break us up. Like right. that would be enough. Now, right. mind you, had I said to him, actually, hey, honey, I went out to have dinner with my ex-husband or my ex-partner and I drank a little too much and I passed out and um, I blacked out. And he says that he had sex with me whilst I was passed out. That would be the point that my boyfriend partner i hope would go and rip the guy's spinal cord exactly that's the whole problem with this it's like this is this is fucked up and then he later says like of course i didn't have sex with you i slept on the couch the sex would have been a fucking miracle there's no way i would have done that you know it's like well why did you pretend to be that fucking disgusting creep it's really gross and why are we now forgiving you absolutely not le brock turner it's not okay (laughs) what's frightening about it she doesn't even see it as something that max did that was a problem she doesn't say hey you oh neither of them do so much so he's the entertainment at their fucking wedding it really bothers me it really bothers me like like it's number one it's not funny number two it doesn't make any sense and number three it really just shows you how like blind we were to what was acceptable well i mean this is still this is still the era where you drank too much you put yourself in a position to have that happen to you it's your fault what were you wearing what were you thinking it's gross it's really gross now one of the great scenes is of course when they have big breakup in front of all the contractors and all the contractors Mm. are like following them around the house doing it and it's a great scene but it gets really nasty at the end when Tom Hanks basically says exactly what you just said, where, where she, she says, um, she says something about him pa- passing the bar, right? Because he's mm-hmm. a lawyer. And he said, well, you wouldn't know you've never passed a bar in your life. And then, and then it gets. And then she says, she says, um, you are so much less attractive when I'm sober. And he goes, well, thank goodness it hasn't been that often. And it's, I mean, well, also too, what also happens in this is it's it's so nasty because Tom Hanks has so many notes to play from, which is a funny line I'm saying, considering she plays a fucking musician. She's pretty much one note through the, she's just hysterical. She's just hysterical and angry through the whole thing, but he is embittered and angry and nasty and cutting and just goes for the fucking jugular 
with her. It's, it is pretty, it's, it's a rough breakup. It's a rough breakup it's scene great, from him anyway. Yeah. It is a great scene. Actually, it's very funny until that point. And you know, yeah. falling in the house and, and she looks fantastic in that red dress and uh-huh. you're making, and it, it is kind of punchy until it hits those, those, just that, that last 10 seconds of it. And and yeah, Tom Hanks is terrible what he says. And then him. she has, for me, her really only truly believable moment when after they have that fight and she goes into the other room and closes the door behind her and then like stifles the sound of her her crying. You yeah. know, that's that's really her most believable moment in the entire film. Exactly. So anyway, we've, we've gone through it, but what we failed to mention is when Max does come to the house, he does have... <laughs> His most funny line, funniest, most funny, um, his most funniest line ever. You do it, Sasha, because I've had too much to drink. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so, so Max shows up and, and, and delivers the great revelation that he is LeBrock Turner of the mind and just, you know, basically painted this picture of infidelity for Anna so that he could Molotov cocktail her life and hopefully get her back into his good graces. Uh, He gets pat on the head and forgiven immediately. And on his way out, has some saucy words with Walter. You know, um, Walter, who who is like, oh, great. What are you doing here? Like, I, I don't understand how fisticuffs don't come out like immediately. That's what doesn't make any sense to me at all. Oh, and wait, before you go into that, one of the reasons is because because this film is so backwards thinking, Anna doesn't even really explain, I don't know whether or not I slept with him. She just says that I have because she just believes it and she doesn't even notice that it's a problem that somebody would have sex with her when she was blackout drunk. Like she doesn't even- Or that someone would blame her for that happening because she was blackout drunk. She didn't even tell Walter that. She just told him she slept with him. Maybe if Walter had known the full story, it would have been a different scenario here, you know? Right. Just just to mention that, like, right. you know, the levels here, it's like, yeah, well, he's mad that you just slept with him, but maybe he wouldn't be so mad at you if he knew the If whole he life. knew that someone took advantage of you while you were in a stone-cold paralytic state. Exactly. But going back to We'd Max help. and, and, Max and Walter's um, tete-a-tete here at yeah. the end. So, so Max then has the audacity to try to coach Walter on what he should or should be doing in his relationship that this motherfucker just tried to turn asunder by basically telling him like, you, you will be tortured with this forever because you're complicated. Me, I am shallow and narcissistic and I'll be fine. And then he walks across the room to a house painter who is essentially a maestro of his own craft, takes the paintbrush out of his hands and says, long strokes long strokes don't tickle like this guy's yeah such a fucking narcissist that he can go and tell someone about themselves in their own job max is a great character despite being a fucking monster for doing what he did on paper when you read it and you don't see the performance this guy is disgusto (laughs) when you actually watch fucking um Alexander Goodenough in this performance. You you just forgive him for everything. (laughs) Like he's just fucking pitch perfect. It's so good. Um, And then we tie up really quick at the end. The house is done. Uh, Phil Bosco as the the key contractor gives a little speech about 
how difficult it was, but the foundation was good. And that's what's really important. And they make up when Tom Hanks says, look, you slept with him and I can't go back on that, but I don't care. I just want to be with you. At which point she goes, but I didn't. And then they kiss. And again, we have to talk about their lack of chemistry or I love you, Tom Hanks, but are you just not a very good kisser? Because I seem to remember he always kisses like that, where he just kind of smushes his face oh. to his female. I don't know if he is a good, I bet you it feels good, but it doesn't look good. <laughs> <laughs> I kiss Tom Hanks. I'll say it now. I'll say it again. Uh -huh. Like I would definitely, if I had the chance, I would kiss Tom Hanks. But it, he does look like he's just like smushing. And I've yeah. seen this a couple times with him. I'm trying to think of other films. Like I think Meg Ryan and him had some smush. Um, it's not it, hot. It, it's it, not a hot looking kisser. Hot. Yeah. Like I said, it, it'll probably feel good, but it's it it doesn't look good. Um, yeah, it it looks it look doesn't look as bad as her wedding dress though. <gasps> God, the wedding dress. Fucking travesty. You know, though, it's like when you look at people, not movie stars, just you know pictures of people who got married in the 80s this was the thing that they wore like it's not wrong it's oh, no no i mean it's 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 accurate for the time it's still a fucking it's fucking disgusting dress it's the, the appliques the pink the pink satin ribbon at the at the at the hemline before the little ruffle does it have mutton sleeves it's just hideous it's just bad yeah it's the poofy yeah mutton sleeves yeah it's 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 a fucking it's train wreck of a dress that i really can't stand it's the the sheen or i i god i'm not you so i don't really understand this you're going to explain it the sheen thing that goes over the neck but then they've got the v cut like they, there's like a choker but then there's like fabric that's see-through yeah it's like a see-through little house on the prairie dress it's with, fla Ow. with floral applique on top of it. Okay, so this dress is definitely worse than Andy's dress in Pretty in Pink. I'm trying to think of the other type. It's worse than Andy's dress in Pretty in Pink, but maybe not as bad as Lisa's dress in Coming to America. I don't think so. I would say it's worse than Lisa's. The, only, the big problem with Lisa's is, is that it was a missed opportunity to do some African gorgeousness. Right. And like a pretty princess pink bullshit like that was my big problem with the lisa dress this dress is just it's it's what her fashion is throughout all the whole film it's she's <laughs> as fuck she's except for that except for that green and white the green and white dress and the red dress yeah those but ones. i mean <laughs> i was looking too i was like is this bitch wearing those nude character shoes to her fucking wedding because i will fucking throw something at the television if she is look i didn't know i disliked shallow on so much until i rewatched this film I do, I don't remember her in True Beverly Hills. And I remember she was very funny in that. Mm -hmm. I wonder if I rewatch it, if I'm going to like it still as much. You mentioned Outrageous Fortune, which yeah. I remember is a hilarious film. But to be fair, I remember only Bette Midler being funny. I don't okay. remember Shelley Long, any part with her in it. She's also in that crazy movie Caveman that we... Ah. Yeah, that, yeah, with Ringo yeah. fucking star that takes place in the Jurassic era. Yeah, that might be the best she she could bring to the table when it comes to um, 
comedy because I remember her in that and she was very funny. She's just got a, what is the accent? Is it like the East Coast, like, is it's it boring. It's the fucking boring Muppet frog. I mean, like, that's all I, that's all it I is know. for me. Like, where is her ass from? Like, let, let's just take two seconds. Like in the like in real life, where yeah, is she? Yeah. What is her accent? Because I mean, there's there's certain accents that I can't stand, and I won't go through them because I, if you have one, I I you know I feel bad for you, and I hate that I don't like you. Your accent, I hate that I don't like your voice. You you probably you might not like mine. She is called an American actress and comedian. That's cray cray to me. Anyway, like if you look her up, well, I mean, she's she for the most part only did comedic films and comedic I, I, work. I mean, Cheers. Outrageous Fortune, True Beverly Hills, Money Pit. Yeah, I mean, I do we do we have a serious film? Okay, yeah, but you know what? Lucille Ball's a comedian, right? I know. I, you know, we shouldn't be doing this. We should not be judging people. She did a lot more than I did, so that's really <laughs> mean of me to say things about her. It says she was a night shift. Was she? I mean, if it says she was, I'm not gonna argue. So yeah, okay. So it says she was. She's from Indiana. So I don't know where she got that voice from, but fuck. It drives me bananas. It's pretty bad. I actually, at some point, was wondering, I was like, is this like an affectation of theater training? Do you know what I mean? Yes. Like, she must have had like a lot of really intense college level, you know, theatrical, you know, conservatory training. And that's where this walled her. I yes. hit my L's and my T's and my R's alone. Dude, you hit it up on the nail on the head, dude. Yeah. She went to Northwestern. Okay, so where are we now, Sasha? I mean, we're at a tidy ending now where she's tidy. in an ugly dress. The cheap girls have shown up. Benny is there drinking fucking milk. His mom is a servant at the fucking wedding. And um, the rock band is playing and Max is the entertainment and eyeballing the sister in the band. It's all very tidy. <laughs> Oh no, and, all and, here. Oh no, the, the final final end is that Walter Sr. and Florinda uh. are um in I guess Rio de Janeiro or some Greek island or something like that. And they are now purchasing a house from Estelle and Carlos. Yes. And and then we hear um the heart is so willing to follow the heart shows the only way out of the night okay <laughs> i'm not gonna sing the whole thing because it's a great song though everyone it is it's a fucking banger to your spotify stephen bishop the heart is so it's realness it's really good yeah it's catchy play. as fuck absolutely um, okay sasha so on a transatlantic flight to visit me in Wales, would you watch Moneyball, The Color of Money, or The Money Pit? Oh, wow. I, I mean, it's a long flight. I would watch all three. I would probably start with Moneyball because I actually have not seen it. Take a nap and then maybe, you know, while eating my nasty plain food, just to burn some time, watch the color of money and then be like, yeah, money pit time. Let's, let's have a, let's have a giggle while we land the plane. Moneyball is a phenomenal movie. It's a better film than Money Pit, but Money Pit is a classic that I believe would be a bigger classic had, you know, another actress 
been in the in the kind of female lead role. Mm-hmm. And it, I think that the problem in it with the whole she had sex, she didn't have sex, fucking mental rape, bullshit, blackout, drunk stuff. It ends badly. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like all the good stuff is really tainted by that. Mm-hmm. Oh, girl, I think that would be fun. Good job. Look at you crushing names on a gin and tonic. Alexander Kudinov. Wait, why? Who said that now? Amy said that. <laughs> we never met Tom Lanks, Tom Shanks, <laughs> Shelly Fong. <laughs> we never met any of those people today. Oh, the original cast members of the Money Pit. <laughs> <laughs> so very much for listening to our latest episode of eating after midnight if you like what you heard please pop over to itunes or whatever platform you listen to us on and leave us a review you'd also make our day if you could follow us on instagram at eating after midnight podcast and if you got the time dm us with any comments questions or complaints we'd love to hear from you until next time on the for real like if any of you knows what the original name of cheap girls was supposed to be like seriously fucking dm us that shit like i really need to know and uh for the guy who's sitting on the script in his attic i hope you choke (laughs) they had a payoff (laughs) (laughs) a long wait for there's a payoff